Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. And welcome back to the program again this week. And thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, no matter what time you're joining in, I know there are some that are watching me even late night. And thank you for your response. Uh, we do appreciate it. Let me just say this to you very quickly. We do appreciate your emails and uh, especially, you know, uh, just letting us know that you're watching so we know where you're watching from and stuff like that. It just really does encourage us. We're doing a series and have been for some weeks now on uh, restoration and reformation. I'm calling this entire series Roadmap to Reformation. And we are studying the books of Ezra and Nehemiah Haggai, Zechariah, the history of Israel even as they are carried away captive into Babylon and the return from exile. We have been uh, teaching this from the perspective of uh, the restoration to uh, uh, the city as being a picture of the community of faith. And I think I have established pretty well over the last, I think, 40 weeks that we've been sharing on this, that these Old Testament uh, stories find greater fulfillment even in the New Testament. You, you will find all of the New Testament writers will draw from the imagery of Old Covenant, of, of old covenant stories. Uh, you will find them literally quoting the Scriptures from these times of exile, and especially with Zechariah. Zechariah begins to talk about, uh, you know, as, as Zechariah is a contemporary with Ezra and Nehemiah in the rebuilding of the city and the restoration of the twelve gates of the city, what we're showing is these twelve gates are entrances into something that has to do with the new covenant. And what we're doing is we're showing you this from this perspective so that you can see how it was fulfilled in greater fulfillment, not only under Ezra and Nehemiah historically, historically, which did happen, but you can see greater fulfillment in what Jesus came to restore, which was the greater temple and the greater city of God, which is the bride, the Lamb's wife, the people of God, the temple of God that we are. And uh, you say, well, how do you hang that? Because Zechariah prophesied, so there's a man whose name is called the branch who's coming. He goes on to say the cornerstone and the capstone will be laid with shouts of grace, grace to it. And I talked about that especially back a few weeks ago, but the only place that I can remember in my mind that there's a double enunciation of grace, grace is in John 1 where he said, Moses gave you the law, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ and grace for grace. So Jesus was the cornerstone and the capstone, and it began a new covenant of grace, grace, the favor of God is on us. And so then you see him come on further into the book of uh, Zechariah, and he declares that, Behold, your king comes to you, riding upon an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. And we're going to try to get into that a little bit more today. Uh, but he that was fulfilled on Palm Sunday because as you read Matthew 21 and you read Mark 11, you will see he says, In fulfillment of the words of the prophet Zechariah, Behold, daughter of Zion, your king comes to you riding upon an ass. So what you do is you see how that these are words and phrases that connect you, not just to the fact that, well, Nehemiah rode into the city in chapter 2 on an ass, but he's showing you that that was a picture 
of a greater. And Nehemiah's name, again, remember, means the comforter. But here comes Jesus, who is carrying, the dove has landed on him. He's the carrier of the Holy Spirit. And he's riding into the city again to see the condition of the city in the captivity of Old Covenant thinking. And I think if you've followed my series, you understand where I'm coming from without me having to unpack it every time I uh, get to this section. But when he rides into the city, it's in fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9. He goes on, and I believe it is a little later in Zechariah, and he says, uh, what will you give me to buy me out of the covenant? And they weighed out for me 30 pieces of silver. Well, we know that happened with Judas Iscariot who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and he sold him out and then talks about they which pierced me will look upon me. All of those are fulfillments of messianic prophecies that were spoken to Ezra and Nehemiah in the time of their reformation, but they are pointing towards a greater reformation. And that reformation is an ongoing reformation and restoration. God is still building His house. He's still building His city. It is coming down from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Let me read my key text so I can get into this this morning. Uh, in, in, in Nehemiah chapter 3 is where we see that we're, we're dealing with the horse gate. But Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 27 and 28 says, After them the Tekoites repaired another piece over against the great tower that lieth out even under the wall of Ophel. And from above the horse gate repaired the priest, everyone over against his house. So the horse gate was mentioned in Nehemiah 3.27, but you see Jeremiah prophesying. Now remember, Jeremiah is the one who prophesied that they would go into captivity for 70 years under Babylon, and then God would visit them again, and He would restore their temple and their city. And it's in that context that he mentions the new covenant, and the horse gate. He specifically connects the new covenant to the horse gate. Verse 23 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as yet they shall use this speech in the land of Judah and in the cities thereof, when I shall bring again their captivity. The Lord bless thee, O inhabitation of justice and mountain of holiness, and there shall dwell in Judah itself and all the cities thereof together husbandmen and they that go forth with flocks. For I have uh, satiated the weary soul, and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. Upon this I awaked, and behold, my sleep was sweet unto me. Behold, the days come. Here's the verse I want you to see. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. And it shall come to pass that like as I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down and to throw down and to destroy and to afflict, so will I watch over them to build and plant saith the Lord. In those days they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Now what I did was I told you, well let me just finish reading this first. They will say no longer, uh, the, the fathers have eaten sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But every one shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So he's talking about this new covenant, in this context of return from exile and from Babylonian captivity where he would begin to build and to plant. But he's talking about it here in the context of the new covenant. Now, the new covenant did not come under Ezra and Nehemiah. So this is pointing to a greater fulfillment of a better tabernacle, a better temple, 
a better city. See, the book of Hebrews is a direct quote of this verse in Jeremiah. When he says in Hebrews chapter 8, I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah, Hebrews 8, 8 says. So that's in the context of the new covenant that he says, I'm going to, to take them by the hand and I'm going to lead them and I'm going to restore. It's an ongoing restoration. But see, here's the thing. The book of Hebrews is about better things, the better covenant. It has better blood, better promises. It's got a better tabernacle. It's got a better city whose builder and maker is God. Abraham in chapter 11 was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And in Hebrews chapter 12, he said, For you have come to Mount Zion, and you've come to the city of the living God, because the city of the living God is not a place, it is a people. It's the bride, the Lamb's wife. To him who overcomes, Revelation 3 says, I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem that comes down from God out of heaven. All of that is mentioned in Hebrews in the context of new covenant. There's better faith, there's a better priesthood, there's better promises. So the restoration that he's building and planting is not the restoration of old covenant Judaism and old covenant law. He is restoring new covenant Jerusalem, new covenant temple of God with a new covenant where the curse has been reversed. And he's dealing with, and I got extensively into this last week, that the children will no longer uh, say the fathers have eaten sour grapes and their children's teeth are set on edge. I showed you how Jesus on Calvary's cross said, I thirst, and they brought him the sour grapes. And he ate, or he drank the sour grapes of, uh, uh, you know, he drank the sour grapes of, uh, of, the, uh, uh, of, the, of the cup of curses that were part of that which was uh, due to us. And so what I want you to see is that, uh, uh, you know, we're no longer under a curse. We, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, uh, Jesus being made a curse for us. And so the reality of it is, is we're not under any kind of curse, any shape, fashion, or form. We are not under the curse because blessed is he that, or cursed is he that hang on a tree. Jesus took all the generational curses and redeemed us from the curse. What a better covenant. Now let me, I don't want to go back and reiterate all that, but he goes on to say a new covenant. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which by covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write them in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord of hosts. For I will give, forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon and the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waters thereof roar, and the Lord of hosts is his name. And those ordinances depart from me. If those ordinances depart from me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation. Now, see, I showed you in the last segment that those ordinances did depart because in, in, in Revelation and in Acts chapter 2, where Peter says that he saw the sun, the moon, and the stars, he said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last day saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters 
will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams. And he goes on to say that the sun will be darkened, the moon will be turned into blood, and the stars will fall from heaven. What he was talking about there was not the natural sun, moon, and stars. He was talking about the spiritual seed of Abraham, which Joseph, when he had the dream, he saw the sun, the moon, and the stars bow down to him. And Israel, his father, knew that the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the fig tree are all symbols of natural Israel. And the wind that was about to shake the fig tree was the wind of Pentecost. When the wind blew, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it blew away the old covenant. It shook the fig tree with a mighty wind. The sun was darkened, the moon turned to blood, the stars fell from heaven, and they ceased from being a nation, and God gave birth to a holy nation that are believers in Christ that include both Jew and Gentile. I'm not talking about that He excludes them. I'm talking about there's only one way into the covenant of promise, and that's through the... I don't want to go back over that again. In this book, The Great I Am, there's a great chapter called I'm the true vine that will show you that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of all the prophecies of God's restoration and God's reformation, because it's in Christ that all of God's promises are yes and they're amen. And we find the same scripture again in Revelation where he talks about uh, the sun will be darkened, the moon will be turned into blood as black as a sackcloth of hair, and the stars fall from heaven. All of those are symbolic languages by taking scripture and interpreting scripture with them, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And in that, there was a literally a removing of Old Covenant Israel and the birthing of New Covenant Israel. The new temple, the new Jerusalem, came on the scene, the bride, the Lamb's wife. Verse number uh, 38 said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the city shall be built to the Lord from the tower of Hananiel unto the gate of the corner, and the measuring line shall yet go forth up over against it upon the hill of Gareb, and shall compass unto Goeth. And the whole valley of the dead bodies, and of the ashes, and all the fields under the brook of Kidron, and under the corner of the horse gate. See, I want you to see this is in the context of the horse gate. Toward the east shall be holy unto the Lord. It shall not be plucked up nor thrown down anymore forever. Now, I want you to see that this is really showing you again a fulfillment. When you see the valley of the dead bodies, that was the valley of Hinnom where they threw the dead bodies over the wall when they were literally destroying, uh, they, they were casting these bodies over into the valley of Hinnom, where we get our Greek word for Gehenna. Go back and watch my, uh, my segment on the valley gate, because it was in the valley of Hinnom where the dead bodies of the carcasses were thrown and heaped up and burnt, and they were burning almost endlessly. Uh, maggots, worms, and that's what the prophet Isaiah was alluding to when he said, the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. He was talking about these dead bodies being cast over into this fire. But he begins to talk about the restoration of this city once that one is destroyed. And uh, he connects this horse gate. I don't know if I'm doing this justice or not. I'm trying to rush too much. He, try, he connects this horse gate to the time of that restoration. Now, I want you to see something here uh, as we go into Zechariah, the ninth chapter. Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem through the horse gate. And when, we, uh, when, you, when He comes through uh, this horse gate, He's riding the. He is. He's not riding a war horse. He's riding a donkey. Now let me just. Uh, there's. There's several things I want to say about this. But I, let me read the text. Zechariah nine verse nine said, "Rejoice, O greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, 
O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king comes unto you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. His dominion shall be from sea, even to sea, and from the river unto the ends of the earth. As for thee also, again, he connects it here to the new covenant. As for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have set forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. Turn you to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render unto thee double. In other words, you got everything you deserved of the curse in Christ so that the blessing of God can come upon you. That's where you got double for your trouble was on the cross of Calvary. Now he's saying, he's using this text in the context of riding into Jerusalem. He's using this riding into Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of an ass, through the horse gate that you see again in Jeremiah. He's connecting the horse gate to the new covenant. Zechariah 9, 9, he is connecting Jesus entering into the horse gate through uh, Zechariah 9, 9, and then you see Jesus comes riding in, and you know, I would think that these people who stood there and saw this triumphal entry knew these scriptures and should have thought, my Lord, this is the guy that they've been prophesying about. This is the fulfillment of these prophecies. You would have thought there's so many pieces of this that you would have thought that they uh, recognized that, uh, you know, that you would have thought, they just said, we believe he's the king. Now let me just stop for a moment here and, and pull this up for you, uh, in, because Matthew 21 especially uh, talks about, uh, uh, I'm going to go there and, 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 and just, let me, let me just pull this up for a moment. Matthew 21 is where he's riding into the city on the colt, the full of an ass. I mean, we see these scriptures, and sometimes I think when we're reading the Bible, we don't realize they're quoting from other places. Verse 1, Matthew 21 says, when, he, when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell you the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king comes unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees, and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth. And Jesus went into the temple of God, <laughs> and cast out all them that bought and sold in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of, of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. 
and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Now I want to stop because I can't get too much more of this in here. But if you read this same chapter in Mark 11, Mark 11 adds one thing. And uh, it, it says this in verse 4 of Mark 11, And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto him, What do ye loosing the colt? Now I want you to see that they are finding this colt tied by the door. There's a donkey at the door. Matter of fact, there's two donkeys. There's the mother and the colt, the Fulman ass. The old, the mother to me speaks of the old covenant. The young colt speaks of the new covenant, whereon never a man sat before. It's a brand new vehicle. It's a brand new ride that's going to carry the king. This colt and this ass is tied at a door, at a place where two meet, ways meet. It is a crossroads. You know, and I got to thinking about this door, and I got to thinking about people who are tied at a door where two ways meet. There are people listening to me right now that are tied up and bound to an old covenant, and I would ask you, what's got you tied up to that? Why can't you seem to break free from that control and that mentality that wants to keep people enslaved? There's a door that's there in front of you. And all of a sudden, as I begin to think about this door, I started thinking about Revelation chapter number 3, where he said to the church at Philadelphia, Behold, I set before you an open door. He said, I'm going to give you the key of David. Well, the key of David is Jesus. King David just came riding in on a colt full of an ass. And he came to lead them through a door into a new covenant. He came to set before them an open door which no man could shut, and shut one that no man can open. But when you read that in Revelation 21, and I would go there and read it, but we're getting short on time here. He says to them in Revelation chapter 3, immediately after he says, Behold, I set before you an open door, he says, To him who overcomes, I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem. Oh, can't you see that this restoration, I get excited about this, that this colt is tied by a door, and it's at a place where two ways meet. And that door is found in the fact that Jesus, of course, is the door. I am the door into the sheepfold. I am the door and the key of David into you know, behold, I set before you an open door. And in that open door, he sees immediately that him that overcomes, I'll write upon him that the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, and I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. So what you see is he's riding into this to open this door to create an environment for you to find restoration in this new temple, in this new city of God. In chapter 3, the next church at Laodicea, he says, I would that you were hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I think that speaks of being either hot, new covenant, or cold, old covenant. But if you're in a mixture, what happens is, is he said, a mixture, Paul calls it a perversion of the gospel. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. But he says, behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. And if any man will hear my voice, and open to me, I will come in and will sup with him, and he with me. Sup there, to me, speaks of the covenant meal. It is the inaugural meal 
of the new covenant. That's the door that this donkey is tied beside of. Oh, you need to change horses today. You need to enter through this horse gate into the new covenant, into the temple of God, and into the city of God. Eat the covenant meal. When Jesus said, I, if you open to me, I will come in to you and will sup with you and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me in my throne, even as I am overcome and am sit down with my father in his throne. Now remember chapter 3, he says there's an open door. Chapter 3 to Laodicea, I stand at the door and knock. But he promises the overcomer in chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, of Laodicea, I stand at the door and knock, and then if you overcome, you can sit with me in my throne. The two key words in that text are door and throne. Because as soon as he opens the fourth chapter of Revelation, he says, after this, I saw a door open. Same door he was knocking on in chapter 3. And then he says, I saw a door open and a throne was set. It's the same throne he was inviting you to set with him in. It's talking about kingdom authority. And then there's a rainbow around about this throne in sight like unto an emerald. And this rainbow is a symbol of a covenant. How do you know that? Because I read the book of Genesis and God sets a bow in the cloud to Noah and says, I'll never be angry or smite the earth after this manner again. And what he's trying to show you is that this rainbow is a symbol of the covenant. Everything about this is screaming new covenant. No wonder Zechariah would prophesy and say, you can return to me, you prisoners of hope, because of the blood of your covenant. You can come out of your pit wherein is no water. No wonder Jeremiah could say, the children will no longer say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. I'm telling you, Jesus rode into town to bring about a restoration that these prophets were prophesying about, not so much to a physical place as He was a spiritual house that's still alive and well in planet earth. And I believe that as you continue to see the things that are happening in this, that you can just embrace the fact that this is a door and a gate into a new covenant paradigm. Behold, your King comes to you. Man, something about this should have screamed to natural Israel and to those Pharisees and religious leaders standing there saying, we remember these scriptures being prophesied. We remember Jeremiah talking about this. We remember these pictures in Nehemiah. We remember Nehemiah riding into the town on a ass to see the condition of the city. Remember, he, there was no place for the beast that was under him to pass as he went in to this new covenant to the fountain gate. We've talked about that in prior segments. But your king has come to you, and the kingdom of God is alive and well on planet earth. Oh, won't you return to him as a prisoner of hope today because of the blood of this covenant? We're going to have to conclude for this time. We'll run out of time again. Uh, but thank you for joining us. If you'd like to uh, sow a seed into this ministry to help us to continue to stay on the air and to take the gospel around the world, the easiest way to do that is to go to our website at lenhouse.com, and you'll see that right on the screen. And there's a place where you can give through PayPal, and you can use your credit card or your debit card to do that. You can also set up a monthly debit if you'd like to become a monthly partner, or you can give a one-time gift. You can also call the number that comes up on the screen. If you don't get an answer, please leave a message. We have a limited staff, and they will call you back if you would like a return call. Or you can write a check or money order and send it to the address 
that will come on the screen to Lynn Howes Ministries. And we appreciate you doing that today. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.